All right, how are we gonna start this podcast then? <laughs> it's eleven. That's a good question. Yeah. It is eleven oh eight. It's already late. It's late. Um, but it's okay for art. For yes, for art. For art. Um, so why don't we do? How about here? I had an idea before coming to this. Uh, I uh, how about you? I introduce you, and then you introduce me. And then we'll fill in the gaps after that. Like, oh, wait, James, you missed this or something like that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Based on what we know of each other. Um, hold on. Let me pull up my – I have a – I'm going to look at your email real quick. Like a good Asian, I'm going to bring up my notes here. Let's see. Um, all right. Well, okay. So welcome to the podcast. My name is James Shi. Oh, wait, should we use our full names or? Oh, God, I don't know. It doesn't really ja- matter. It doesn't matter. I don't, I got nothing to hide. Okay, hey, I'm James. And my and then, name is Dan. <laughs> so uh, what I'll do is I'm going to introduce Dan. This, this voice is James, but I'm going to introduce Dan. And then after that, Dan is going to introduce me. Um, so Dan is a, um, uh, he's a father of two. He's a martial artist um, and a, a banker. Uh, he is married to a, an actor, actress. Um, I know Dan from uh, his wife, Jennifer, who um, basically at UCSD, that's where I went for my undergrad You know, years ago. Um, I studied uh, acting there uh, as my minor and... Uh, Jennifer, his uh, Dan's wife, was um, a graduate student there, and she held the first Asian American uh, theater festival. And I met Jen through James Fang, who was a part of that festival, and said, "Hey, Jennifer is putting this together. I think you should be a part of it." Uh, I auditioned, and I yeah, I got a role. And then Jennifer was like super great director. And from there, I kept in touch with her on and off. And then I heard she got married. And I was in L.A. at the time. And I met up with Dan. And I was just like, uh, we, we just totally clicked on, like, martial arts. We started geek- So basically, Jennifer, like, left us alone in the front yard. This is when I first met Dan. And we were just, I think, I think you were showing me Choi LaFoot. And I was just showing him some baji forms. And basically, uh... We were just geeking out over that. And then we talked more uh, from my other visits in L.A. And also, now that I'm living in the L.A. area, and when Dan and Jen were living in the L.A. area, I got to hang out with Dan more, and we really clicked on, you know, just uh, other topics, uh, aside from martial arts, life, relationships, um, you know, the Asian-American experience growing up in America. Um, and I felt like, oh, hey, this is pretty – this is a – and also, like, he's he's also a great perspective, I think, on, like, maybe in the future of, like, what if I ever want to be a father or something like that. So it's kind of like I get to pick his brain a little bit as far as maybe what's down the road for me. And, um, yeah, so I'm glad that Daniel Dan's uh, down to do this. And that's my short intro of Dan. And let me introduce James. Uh, I met James obviously through my wife, but also through a, a premiere of, or a screening of Fight Life. That, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. A movie that James produced along with James Fang. And I, I think I remember mistakenly thinking that I met James She when at my house before Fight Life. And he said, like, no, no, no. Not all Asians look alike. You know, it was actually James Fang, and I got my <laughs> two James confused at that time. But we totally, we totally clicked over martial arts, uh, Choli Fut and Baji, and we even t- started doing push hands every now and then uh, whenever we had the chance. Sometimes in my front yard in L.A., and sometimes at the park. Uh, very rarely at the park. Maybe one time at the park. But I do know that uh, James Shi is a writer, a director, and an actor, and I know he's pursuing his graduate degree at. CSUN, California State University at Northridge, and I know that uh, he has like some very interesting stories about his life as a strawberry picker, according to James Fang. 
So I'm, I'm still waiting to hear about those stories myself. But we definitely want to talk about different things. And I'm living vicariously through James Shi because when I was on the dating scene, online dating scenes or online <laughs> dating sites were not that good. It was pretty much Match and eHarmony and a couple others that have fallen by the wayside. But with apps these days on iPhone, it's a lot easier. And I'm always interested to hear what it's like out there as a single guy dating in Southern California. Cool. And so I know that there are a lot of things we want to cover over the course of many, many years and many, many nights as we do this. We we definitely are both really into movies and TVs and or TV shows, things in the media, uh, especially from the Asian American perspective. Great. Yeah. Uh, sorry, is that the end of your intro? Yeah. That is the end of my intro. Yeah. Okay. Yay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Another. Uh, yes, I do remember. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, we met. I remember we met at the Lamley. I believe is in NoHo, and yes. for a Fight Life premiere, uh, Jake Shields was there. Um, I, I'm James Shi, by the way. Um, I, I didn't say my last name, so I'm James Shi. Um, and uh, yeah, that was cool because I remember you were telling me how you proposed to Jen, and it, it was like. I I, I, was, I felt like I kind of forced that story out of you because I think you told that story so many times and you're like, uh, yeah, James, just I wrote a blog about it. I'm like, oh, OK, but what happened? <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, hey, but um, yeah, you wrote a blog, but uh, I don't want to just tell me about it. And that was pretty cool. So like, um, I don't know if you want to go into that. I, I'm not going to force you to tell it again, but. Uh, Darren, uh, Dan's a great uh, storyteller, um, and uh, I, I thought that was, you know, as far as how he proposed, and I guess you're, uh, would you say you're romantic as well? Uh, not as romantic as others. I mean, I've talked to other friends who've, and their proposal stories, and mine was more of like a cluster, and I, it wasn't very well thought out, it wasn't very well planned, but I was originally going to do it in Japan. Damn. But, yeah, I was going to do it in Japan. I had it all planned out in my head in Japan, but didn't really write it down, which you should always do, and talk it over with someone because you just want a sanity check. Someone to tell you it's a little too simple or a little messed up or something like that. But the whole thing happened in 2011 with the earthquake in Japan and the whole country thrown into chaos. So we canceled that trip and it threw my plans up in the air. Right, right damn okay oh so tell me uh that that reminds me of something about your background so you speak japanese and um but you you qualify yourself as chinese american you would say oh yeah i'm definitely chinese american but my mom grew up she's ethnically chinese but she grew up in japan from age seven so her first thing was to teach me japanese and then she said that all my real, other relatives could teach me Chinese and English I can learn at school. <laughs> and I think that's way smarter than I think what my parents did. I'm Taiwanese American. And what my parents did was um, they I was speaking like a mix. Um, so I, my grandparents kind of raised me and uh, they spoke mainly Taiwanese. And my parents, they yell at each other in Taiwanese and you know, occasionally Chinese and, and a little bit of English. Um, so, uh, and they don't just yell. They also talk to each other once in a while. But um, they, I was speaking this weird mix of Chinese, uh, Mandarin, Taiwanese, and English uh, back before the age of five. So I was saying all this gibberish. Um, and then, so I think my mom was concerned and they talked to like some doctor and I guess that he said just focus on one language for now, um, and that. So basically, I was on, I only spoke English. So I, they focused on speaking English. Like and my mom's English is not the best, but we spoke English at home. Like my dad's English is pretty good, and uh, he he got his uh, PhD in U the U.S. And um, so we'd speak this English mix, uh, but mostly English. And then I kind of forgot all my languages after the age of five six. And I only spoke English, which was, I think, I think that's kind of why in my later years I felt this this gnawing guilt or this gnawing um, loss of identity, 
So I, I went back and learned Mandarin. But then, if you know anything about like Taiwanese history, Mandarin is is also like impo is also a conqueror's language as well because the KMT came over and and you know forced everyone to speak Mandarin in the in Taiwan as well. Um, so I think now I'm I'm going back even deeper and trying to relearn Taiwanese here and there, but it's not it's not as economically like rewarding to speak Taiwanese, you know. Um, yeah, it's very but limiting. I mean, it is only, limiting. Yeah, yeah. Only Taiwanese people speak Taiwanese. There, there's some people in Singapore who I think they they call it Hokkien or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you? Yeah. So that's my that's kind of my beef with my with my lang with language. Uh, I speak Mandarin okay now. I speak to my mom in Mandarin now, and it's like now she can, you know, she used to nag me like. Uh, on the surface level, but now she can get more in depth with me, like relationships, like oh, make sure blah blah blah, um, like more in depth, like you find a woman that's um, born this year, and and then you're born this year, so that makes you guys a good match. So she can get more detail oriented in her um, uh, her micromanaging of my life. That's pretty interesting, though. I mean, do you believe in that superstition? By the way, I mean it's a little segue, but I'm actually curious about this. Are, are do you believe in like every four years is a good match, every seven years is supposedly a good match, but every sixth year is not supposed to be a good match, and that's like six years older or younger, or some multiple of six. Right, because you and Jen are what six years apart, or something like that. We're five and a half. We're on that cusp. So Jen was born in right before the the, the turn of the the calendar year or whatever it is or turn of the lunar calendar year so we're five and a half technically so it's not six i'm not supposed to get along with sheep people because i was born in the year of the ox and my oh. dad just so happens to be a sheep yeah do you guys get along or me and my dad uh we have our differences but uh my uncle who's also a sheep we get along great so it's just okay. i think it's a I think well, we're also not married too, so that's there's that part, right, right. And it, I, I talked to my mom a little bit about it, and um, it it can get deep. So that's like what you're talking about is fairly surface level. Like she's talking about, okay, what time of day were you born? Okay, so you got the year, right? So then you have yeah. to figure what what day, and then what time of day. So it tells you what kind of. So I'm a rat. So I guess you and I get along. I think maybe I don't know. Yes, but yes. yeah. So, so there's that level. But then it's also what kind of rat am I? Am I like a water rat or a fire rat or something like that? Based on the time of day or whatever, and it can get really deep, like to the point like it's a science, you know. But it, it's obviously not a science. It's kind of some mumbo jumbo. And I, I, I asked my so my mom. She got really deep into this and was telling me stuff about. Uh, a little bit more about like my name. She chose my Chinese name, right? And the number of strokes in there is supposed to be, you know, fortuitous. But because I have a, I have a, a lunzipang, I have a, a, a person radical, but I was born in the year of the rat. So because rats and people don't get along, she says, okay, James, this is like, I'm 20, I think I'm 29 when she tells me this. Like a couple of years ago, James, I'm gonna change your your Chinese name to something else, and it was like something like Si Yuan or something like that. And then I asked my ex girlfriend at the time, like, "Hey, what do you think of this Chinese name?" If I and she told me like, "Oh, that's a name for like a bald guy," <laughs> <laughs> and she's Taiwanese, so she has better understanding of you know how names sound in Chinese and what they kind of the tone and because I don't I have no idea about that stuff like. Oh, what kind? Like you know, like in English, like a guy named you know what, um, you uh, Urkel or something has certain connotations of like geekiness, right from the TV show, whatever. So I asked her like, hey, what kind of name is that? She's like, oh, that's a bald dude's name. And I told my mom, you know, I like my name. And um, and she's like, oh, James, but the luck in your life could be so much better. So, <laughs> so, and I told, I asked my dad, I asked my dad, okay. Dad, come on. M mommy is going pretty like in-depth scientific on the, the number of characters, the year I was born. And I asked my dad about. It. My dad's an engineer from he was an engineer for um for his uh, career. And um 
and he's like he told he just like looked at me he's like in hiroshima the day before they dropped the bomb there were thousands maybe millions of people in japan praying you know to their god or gods you know to win the war and then and and then the u.s dropped the bomb and thousands of those people died in an instant <laughs> and i was like damn okay you know and my to give you an idea like yeah my dad he he doesn't pull punches you know like and i was i thought about that i was like okay i mean that's kind of depressing thank you dad but um it kind of put things in perspective but then like i mean it doesn't negate the fact i think completely like there there are things in this world i i don't understand that no one really understands and science is still you know catching up to a lot of um eastern medicine and eastern uh, thought um and other thoughts um but i don't know i would say for the most part i don't sleep i don't lose sleep over it like when i when i when i connect with someone um and i find out after i i don't i don't make it a point to say hey what are you maybe i'd be more curious maybe of their meyer briggs test you know like a little bit but even that changes based on the mood when you take it so I, I'm just more about like talking to the person and figuring out organically. Like you and me, I have no idea what you were and that doesn't, that didn't really matter. If I found out you were like, uh, I don't know what, some other animal, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change our relationship. Maybe I wouldn't, I don't think so. So yeah. I mean, what's your thoughts on superstitious stuff like that? Ah, uh, man, I, I don't think it really, w I will say though, I have two, a brother and a sister. They're both dragons and dragons are supposed to be the luckiest. And I've never seen either of those two people stressed. My brother and my sister, they never stress out. And if they do stress out, it's very minor. So it might be something. It might be also uh, something where where you believe it and it becomes true. So. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, I can't subscribe to it. I, I get influenced by it because relatives always talk about it and you kind of it's always in the back of your mind because they're always in your ear about things like that but i try not to put too much faith into it like for your wedding day did you choose like did you consult your mom or did jen consult her parents or like whatever for like oh what's a lucky day to get married did you guys do any of that uh we actually went to a chinese fortune teller because our acupuncturist said that this person is the most accurate person he's ever met and he's a he's a different story altogether but we talked to her and she's like, you know, it would be more lucky if you got married on the day after you guys planned on getting married. So we didn't really put much faith into it. She said, oh, if you get married on the day that you're married, then it, it's fine. But you'll ha you'll be a much luckier if you marry get married on November 12th versus November 11th. And the day, how we chose our, our date was that my uncle... His daughter got married on 10-10-10, so October 10th, 2010. And when he heard that we were engaged, he was like, what are you waiting for? Why don't you just get married on November 11th, 2011? So it would be 11-11. Wow. Dude, you can't miss that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So something really easy, and it just happened to be Veterans Day. So I had that day off from working at the bank. And we just threw the whole wedding together in about five months or six months. So we really didn't consult too much and you know we didn't talk to a for while well, we talked to a fortune teller but we didn't go by her advice okay dude 11 11 11 that's pretty cool i mean yeah uh even though that is a christian calendar you're subscribing to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just makes it really easy to remember either way either way yeah so you don't get caught like hey you forgot our, our anniversary yeah. now you, you you got it you got it I mean, so does uh, do your kids have Chinese names, and is there any su su superstition in those names? Uh, no superstition attached, as far as I know. My I let my dad choose, and my dad was choosing some really messed up names that I just didn't like the sound of. And uh, whenever I, yeah, whenever I p said those names to my aunts and uncles, they're like, "Your dad's crazy. You should not <laughs> choose those names." It sounds but, like my mom. My mom has she had some crazy sounding names. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you, does your family have the whole family poem that 
they use to name oh, kids. Oh shit! You guys have it too? Yes. I. We don't have it. We don't. We lost ours. Oh no. Okay. So there's this poem. It's in this temple in Lukang, or like yeah, Lukang, where my 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 father's. You know. So there's this there's this there's this plaque in Taiwan, and it has there's this poem, and each character of the poem, it's supposed to be a character in our name, and uh. It's in this like temple in Lukang, which is like one of the. Uh, it used to be one of the three major ports of Taiwan. The other one being like I think was north of Taipei. The other one was like uh, Tainan or Gaoshan. I forget. But anyways, Luke, um, I'm supposed to have like a middle name Yang, right? Or I have yeah. supposed to have a Chinese character Yang. But my mom was like, no, that sounds weird. So she took it out of my name and she put it in my. So my middle name has that care has is 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 in there so it's like so my middle initial yeah so i have it in my english name but i don't have it in my like uh yeah i don't have it in my chinese name so whatever yeah yeah, yeah. we we don't know where what happened to our poems so we just made it up or my my grandmother made it up she made it up for me and my brother but nobody else in our generation it's supposed to be a generational thing so none of my cousins actually have the same character or they use the same character it's supposed to be as far as i know it's supposed to be the, the character for ocean okay and i think two uh, of my cousins hi. have it somehow. okay yeah. yeah hi yeah they they that would I think fit you like, perfectly actually because you're a surfer so yeah yeah we have a third cousin or you know extended relatives who who know might have the oral history of what that poem is but we definitely went off the rails a long time ago <laughs> Like what? Because uh, I think your family heritage is traces back to Toysan or somewhere around there. Uh, no, we're actually. Uh, well, I don't know where we're supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be from Henan, and at some point in the past, we immigrated to the Yangchow area, Yangzhou. And most of my family, extended families, out in Yangzhou. But as far as I know, our last name is really rare. And my dad says, if you ever meet another one who writes their character the same exact way. You guys are probably related. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah. Well, you're already married, so you don't have to worry about marrying someone you're related to. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I, not a problem. That's not. I I've met some last girls last name she and uh, yeah. I I don't know. It just it's a big turnoff if you have the same last name. It's just it's like uh, I mean yeah. I mean I've met some you know they're. So I'm trying to think of the other she's I know. Okay, yeah. Once like, there's like there's this blogger name. Uh, she writes this blog says what what she uh, uh that's what she said. You know, it's uh -huh. spelled the same way as my last name, and uh, uh she seems cool, but I <laughs> uh, uh yeah. So, but yeah, probably I'm probably not gonna date a well. We'll see. I never say never, right? Yeah. Never say never. Never say never. But, just, just don't have you know, just don't date someone has the same blood, ge genetic map as you or something. Yeah. Well, I mean that's like a total Western idea, right? I mean, oh well, not even a Western idea. It's, it's more of like an American thing. But those princes and you know the pharaohs of Egypt, they were all doing that, and the the princes or the kings, the royal family in England, they were all doing that for a while. Marrying cousins and whatnot. Well, that's why they got hemophilia and all that stuff, though. So I get, I think there's some science behind that. Yeah, I'm sure there is science behind it, but it was ex definitely accepted up until like 200 years ago. Right, Maybe right, even right. Less right. than that. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I In think, any case, uh... <laughs> yeah. superstition aside, I mean, uh, I I don't subscribe too much to. It. I just like to hear about it because there's a lot of stories behind it and a lot of folklore and myth and all that crap but I, i'm more interested in that side of a side of it but actually believing it i i don't too, put too much faith in it to it yeah i think uh, i think what you touched on was interesting the the history of it because i think there's something about culture and history that you know for those superstitions that's kind of pretty interesting you know it's like why why do people believe that like the whole i mean the whole zo you know animal zodiac story like i love that story you know like the race the emperor you know i i learned that as a kid and i remember growing up as a kid like in kindergarten 
um, we are learning about different, you know, different international holidays and Chinese New Year came up, you know, and I was like, oh, that's my that's my holiday. And I was like so proud. And I was like, you know, sh you know, when they showed the video in, in kindergarten, I was just like, yeah, red envelopes. I get that stuff, you know. So I guess that was my first taste of like, um, you know, pride, I guess, like some sort of ethnic pride. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, I, th I mean, as far as your kids, is there, do they know they're Asian or like, cause I know when I was growing up, I think that was my first instance of like really like subscribing to a certain ethnic identity when they said the Chinese new year thing, even though I, you know, now I consider it lunar new year, which is more, I think, correct. Cause other cultures celebrate that, that year, but I mean, yeah, do your kids have some sort of sense of identity right now or not really? I don't know. I, I approached that question to my three-year-old son recently. I go, are you Chinese? I was like, no. I was like, what are you? Because I'm, I'm just me. So I don't think they subscribe to anything like that. I, did you grow up around a lot of Chinese people, though? Chinese Americans or Taiwanese I, I, Americans? I grew up a lot of Asians, yeah. I grew up a lot of, but mostly um, Filipino Americans, Vietnamese Americans, and some white some white people um so a lot, some of my friends in kindergarten that earlier years were uh were uh white uh i think they were maybe probably english irish mix uh americans and then um and then growing up i think you know my, my hometown just got more and more i'm from the south bay uh in in the in uh the san francisco bay area from milpitas and um as i got older especially in high school more and more of my friends became more asian uh asian american since vietnamese filipino uh one korean guy um and taiwanese chinese americans there were some here and there um yeah i had some hong kong hong i guess they're hong kongese friends but at the time, I guess they're British, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, they're Hong Kongese. So I had some Hong Kongese friends. Like, um, uh, so I think I I didn't really, um, you know how some people they grow up in like maybe uh, majority other other race. Like maybe they're the only Asian. I didn't have that. I I grew up in fairly predominantly Asian area. So it wasn't until I moved maybe during college to socal that i got more of a sense of my like oh my otherness maybe even though i went to uc there's lots of asians there obviously but there were more more whites there than i've experienced before and th i mean there's some whites in milpitas for sure but like um white people black people but they were definitely um the minority i would say yeah yeah i for me i i grew up mostly in San Diego. So I had the exact opposite experience probably in that regard. So the the whole being Chinese was not something very proud of because I I brought like that funky food to like to school and no one I was like everyone like looked at it funny and I just like was embarrassed by it. So I had my mom start making me sandwiches with mayo and ham and whatnot. And then once I got to college is at UC San Diego as well, um, it was still predominantly white, and every all the Asians kind of self segregated for some reason. You know, all the Koreans kind of stuck together because they went to the Korean Christian groups and then the Japanese Christian groups and the Chinese Christian groups. So, but uh, I, I did meet a lot more um, Asians, and I did hang out with mostly like Japanese and Koreans. I didn't hang out with too many Chinese people for some reason, but I, I'm still friends with those people. And the one anomaly in my whole like under prior to college career was uh, in eighth grade. I lived in Gardena for one year, and that was my first experience with other Asian Americans that weren't Vietnamese or Filipino Americans, and spoke without an accent. Because when I was growing up and growing up in San Diego, I was pretty much the only Asian American I knew of that didn't speak with an accent for uh, until high school, and once I got to eighth grade. It was a huge, huge difference. Gardena is mostly minorities. It was, I think it was like 30% Asian, 30% Mexican, 30% black, and 10% white. So that was like 
my first experience with where I didn't feel like I was a true minority anymore. Wait, so growing up in San Diego, then you were you were a minority in the sense that not only were you Asian, but you're also second gen Asian. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like with people who speak with accent, that's so I guess to define our terms, so first gen would be people who came over when they were young but were born in a different country. So they may or may not speak with an accent depending on how they were brought up or how, how old they came. And then second gen would be uh, like us, born born in the States and raised in the States, yeah. So you were saying that you're, my, you're a double minority in San Diego in the sense that you were second gen and also an Asian American. Yeah, and that was true right up until high school. And that's when I started meeting other Asian Americans who are Asian Americans second generation so it, it was a definitely a different experience but eighth grade was def was the one pivotal year where i met asian americans who were dumb which <laughs> it, because the stereotype when i was in, in san diego was like all asian americans did well in school or asians did well in school not asian americans but just asians in general and once i got to uh, gardena i met some some kids who were Japanese Americans and they were like skaters and idiots. And uh, I met some jocks. I met uh, deaf. There was well, there were a lot of smart kids who were Asian Americans, but it was just eye opening to think that there were other Asians out there who were just kind of normal and didn't fit the stereotype of just studying all the time. But they were kind of cool and that they dress in like the surfer gear or like skater gear and doing all that all the stuff that most of the white, only white kids did in San Diego at the time. Mm. So Asians subscribe. So that's interesting. Asians subscribing to your idea of what Asians are. And then yeah. As- and Asians that did not subscribe to what Asians are. They're just being, well, I guess the, the bad way to say, say it would be like, Oh, they're being white, I guess, but which is a kind of a, uh, a fucked up way to say i think because they're just they're just being who they are right yeah yeah i mean they just they had an interest in skateboarding and they skateboarded and they play basketball you know like everybody else so it's it was a different experience thinking that asians and asian americans just could be americans more than anything else Uh, yeah so this this is a i i think maybe this could take up the whole podcast like the so yeah, identity. I think um, I, I don't know. I I had some tro- I okay. I I had some issues in the sense that I didn't want to be that guy, that Asian who segregated because like, oh, I'm gonna do all the Taiwanese American stuff. I'm gonna go to I, Taiwanese camp. I'm gonna go on Love Boat. So I did go to tiny Taiwanese camp, which was really fun actually. And then I did not go on Love Boat. Love Boat is like where they go on this. Taiwan, like Taiwanese kids, they go on this ex- cultural exchange with to Taiwan, and a lot of people like hook up on the boat or the plane, or I mean, not on the you know, anyways, in Taiwan or whatever. So that's a whole other s- story. But um, so I didn't, but at the same time, I just I didn't feel like pandering or like I don't know. I th- I think what your son said about as far as um, uh, oh, I'm me, you know. I think that's something I've strived just to be, you know, like I'm me, you know, for my, for my, for, I, I navigated the, the identity waters, you know, I, I went to Taiwan after college for two years and that, that was in a sense was a sort of reaffirmation of who I wanted to be. Um, so, so in high school, I saw this film called EE by Edward Yang and that was pretty eye-opening in the sense that it was about an Asian American family it was about a Taiwanese family not American at all just a Taiwanese family living in Taipei and basically their stories intersecting and I was like whoa this is great you know um you know I didn't understand them but they had subtitles and but I was like you know one of the first times I saw like Asians on screen you know and for some reason that really connected with me and then even before that, like anime, come on, like Evangelion or like Cowboy Bebop. For some reason, I really resonated with these, these, these works of art, these cultures. So I, I sense that that my that Asianness, I guess, I was never really uh, 
I, I guess I came, I became more attuned with it. I also liked like, you know, other things like the get up kids or like emo, like indie, emo, like emo was big back in the day, which didn't really have an Asian, you know, slant to it really. But, um, I think I just happen to be an Asian American who's interested in Asian culture is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But the, the fact I'm interested in, in Asian culture, sometimes I get from, you know, maybe my white colleagues or, you know, other, they're like, oh, James, you're so Asian. Like, do you ever get that? Do you ever get that uh, comment? Like, oh, Daniel, you're so Asian. Do you ever get that or no? I, I never have gotten that. I mean, I think they just, I don't know how to describe it. I never even thought about it. No one's ever actually described me as, oh, you're so Chinese or you're so Asian. I think other Asians might say like, oh, you're very Chinese or you're very <laughs> Japanese or something of that nature. But uh, not and not from any of my white friends or any white colleagues. Yeah, because I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I just think they're afraid of saying something politically incorrect and say something racist. Right. They're not that familiar with you yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I got that comment once from one of my classmates because I was riding my bike and I had a lunch pail. And she said, oh, James, you, you're so Asian. And I, 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 I didn't know how to process it because I was like, what part of this is Asian, first of all? So I was riding one of my foldable bikes that my dad bought in Taiwan. So I guess there's an Asian style to it. And I had a lunch pail that was like... Um, you know, from, yeah, I had a lunch pail from work and that it's an American company. And I was like, I don't get what's so Asian about the anyways. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm down for whatever. Like you call me Asian. I'm going to, I'm also, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I just happen to be Asian, you know? And the thing is also like you and I are both into martial arts, you know? And yeah. sometimes, like uh I, oh, i'm trying to remember like oh, okay maybe um oh i remember i was I was on a road trip i so i have extended family in socal and my brother and sister one time we drove down from the bay area to socal uh um, with my parents and uh during a gas a, a, a gas stop i was doing some tai chi right or or i was doing one of our uh, i think i was doing a kata actually and i was doing a little kata just to stretch out and my brother's like oh James, stop, you know, perpetuating Asian stereotypes, right? And I thought, <laughs> right. I, you know, it's funny because he, he's my brother and we, we have a similar, we have a very similar background. Uh, so it's funny. and But, you know, I thought about it. It's like, man, it's like, I can't, I can't win at anything, you know? It's like, because I, I, I know what, because what he's saying is what I think a lot of my non-Asian friends or colleagues are thinking, you know? It's like, oh God, this Asian guy, he speaks Mandarin. He uh, does martial arts. Like, how Asian can he be? You know, and you know, fuck it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I am also American, and I think, and I think my how I want to live my life is, 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 I think, is a sense a thesis. My and my thesis is saying that being American, in a sense, is a fluid identity, and that. By being who I am, because I am American, I am Asian, and I am Taiwanese, you know. So, all these things, I'm so, by being who I am and what I want to be, I am self-defining what it means to be Asian American, to be Asian, a Taiwanese, and American, like all these things. So, I, you know, that's something I've been trying to subscribe to with my life, you know. Um, and you know, Bruce Lee says the thing about, oh, we're all human, which is great, I think, but. I think that's dangerous in the sense that it's, it kind of plays into that that all lives matter sort of thing. Like, oh, we're all human. I, right. I do agree. We're we're all human, right? But there are there are categories of human beings that there are there are subcategories that I subscribe to: being Asian, being American, you know, all these things. But at the end of the day, what your son said, "I am me." I think that trumps all of that. You know, I am me. So I am a human being, right? But I am a specific, unique human being in the sense that I'm an intersectional. I'm an intersection of all these different identities, right? So that okay. Anyways, that's my rant on identity. What's what, what's what's your rant? Do you have a rant well, on identity? 
I I I don't, but I I think what you said is very interesting because you're basically you don't want to be defined by other people's expectations of what Asian American means, and you just want to create your own identity as or your own definition of what Asian American means or being American, what it means to you, and it it's, it encompasses everything, right? Your different heritages, you know, being Taiwanese, and then um, being growing up a second generation and doing being interested in in the taiwanese culture or in the chinese culture all these taiwanese other, other culture <laughs> chinese well, and taiwanese I mean, culture yeah yeah Chi- the martial chinese arts taiwanese. chinese yeah 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 so i i that's that's why i was where i was going with that. i know uh there is a definite definite differentiation between taiwanese and chinese um and, and I know that all my Taiwanese friends are very proud to be Taiwanese, but uh, I know that Baji right. is something that you're doing, and that's that's from the northern parts of China. Right, that's northern China, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't really have a rant on that. I, I just, I, I don't really, haven't really thought about it too much, probably in depth, because um, being a decade older than you, <laughs> I have a different experience with, with ah uh, senpai. With, yeah, well, dealing with like um, people who are not Asian Americans, or the the experiences are a little bit different. I think. I mean, I have like I had some white friends who said some really, I think would would be interpreted as very racist in this time day and age. But back then, it's just kind of accepted. Even my mom still says Oriental and not Asians. So it, it's just that- a different. That's a different time, yeah, yeah. That wasn't considered racist back then, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, and I, I grew up with that, and and with my mom, even my own mom saying Oriental, I was like, oh yeah, Oriental, it's not that racist. Hmm. So. I guess I think the whole. Well, I think the the backlash because of the or- Oriental is because, the Orient. Um, I guess it was it used to mean east of something right and yeah uh yeah and uh arabic people persian people were also considered oriental back in the day i guess when they started using the term um but then it became pushed even further east the term orient this is this is asian american studies going on so the or the term orient got pushed further east to encompass japan china um and now but like oriental rug is a persian rug right so yeah so i guess now it's it's kind of it's outdated in the sense because of its it's it's antiquated is what i'm trying to say uh, because it 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 it, it was born out of um otherness as far as people east of i think uh, jerusalem or whatever yeah or europe yeah um and now it's specifically for asians but uh the history of it is kind of not it was it was encompassing all those places so like I guess Russian people would be Oriental then if it's east of Europe. So yeah, yeah. it's always interesting how how it became a very Eurocentric kind of view. Yeah, those Europeans. I will say one thing about identity. I mean, growing up being Chinese American, it wasn't very like a point of pride for me because I was one of the very few Chinese Americans in San Diego or in my schools. And the one thing that I, I thought was the coolest thing, and everyone was universally accepting of, like, oh, that's cool. That you're Chinese, you must know kung fu. And I think, <laughs> and you do, I used to, yeah. And I, I did start learning because I used to watch those kung fu movies, thinking that, oh, if I learn kung fu, I will be cool because uh, no matter who you were, white, black, Mexican, if you, you always thought Bruce Lee, oh, that guy knows how to fight. So if you can fight and prove your manhood then you're cool. And I think that's one of the reasons why I want to go learn Kung Fu. Is like That's like one thing from Chinese culture that you could be very proud of is like, we know Kung Fu. We know how to fight if you right. have to learn it. And uh, let's, okay, yeah. So I think talking about martial arts, I mean, my dad got me into karate uh, and I think it, can't, it subscribed to that same mentality, like to be a man, right? Yeah. Um, to 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 embrace a certain type of masculinity, and uh, I was you know and I was down for that. Uh, there is this documentary called "The Mask You Live In." It's by Jennifer Newsom, and it's a talking about how how also this idea of masculinity can be detrimental 
in a way in that you can't be vulnerable emotionally stuff like that but um i think for asian americans i think a certain level of masculinity is is helpful you know uh there are there's positive aspects of masculinity there's negative aspects just like anything else like femininity as well um like certain uh, tropes or certain ide- social uh, constructs but i think i don't know about you but forget i love i love martial arts in the sense that um first of all yeah it you could, it's something proud from our culture uh that's one two it's also exercise it's a great exercise and three there's a certain um there's a certain like sp- you know spiritual aspect to it and and then the fourth thing i was going to say is like that idea of exercising that masculine aspect of, our, of ourselves because i think as r- representation in the media we don't have very we don't the only masculine role model in the you know the, the highlight of the last 30 years was of obviously bruce lee right and I remember watching Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And I was like, "Damn, this shit is good." You know, you, get, <laughs> you, you you fuck a white, you know, you have sex with a white woman that fucking is is rubbing on your abs and shit, and then you are and he's and he's struggling. He's he's got dream. He's got passion. You know, I freaking love. I remember watching Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. I was like, "Damn, this is great." You know, and that aspect. Um, and you, probably, you this they talk about this in fight life a little bit but that aspect of like Sam Sheridan says like oh not wanting to be dominated I got into fights and, yeah no I was I was kind of a troubled kid I got into fights I lost fights even when I was taking karate I lost a fight and that still haunts me <laughs> well now I'm, I'm over <laughs> now. I it was in high school I, I lost a fight and uh and uh I think that fact of like you know it's like that fact of having like i you know talking about guns and stuff like i'm not a fan of guns but i'm a fan of knowing how to throw a punch or like how to if if it comes down to it if shit hits the fan and someone attack me like they're going to they're gonna have a surprise or they're i'm gonna take them out or you know anyways i i just really like that confidence of saying like like I, you know, there's there's like these big there's this uh, middle school or something like this, this big, you know, our high school and this big black guy. Um, I mean, not to racialize it, but he just happened. To, oh, Samoan guys, like Samoan guys in grade school picked on me, and then there's this big black guy in uh, in middle school who picked on me. But no matter what, like like I think in grade school I was kind of fearful because I wasn't learning martial arts. But after I started learning martial arts. I remember just stepping up to the guy and it's like, hey, man, like, w- you want to start something? Because he was, like, throwing, f- like, little firecrackers at me and stuff like that. And he saw that I had that confidence. So I didn't even have to fight him. The fact that I've done, like, thousands of punches, the fact that I've done thousands of kicks, and then that moment when I step up to him and say, I know if I have to punch or kick, I know how to do it. And he could see that, and he didn't want to fuck with me. That shit is fucking great. I, I love what, <laughs> that shit's awesome. What what do you think? Yeah, that's great. I've never actually had that experience. I, I I'm not a big fan of guns either. You know what it is about guns versus like learning how to fight is that picking up a gun you can immediately be dangerous and anyone can do it. Just about anyone can do it. I mean, you just point and shoot. I'm sure there's like a marksman's and you know if you're like shooting 200 yards away or something like that. But with kung fu, with karate, with boxing, with any of those martial arts. You have to put in the work for it, and not anyone can just do it. You can't just go for like a month and become like a competent fighter. I'm sure you'll learn how to punch better or stand better or whatever, but it takes hours and hours and months and months and years and years of like just dedication, doing things repetitively, practicing. And I think that that speaks to me. Like you have to put in the work to get some sort of benefit out of it. You can't just like be go hands over some money and, and learn how to and just become dangerous you have to learn to be dangerous and learn to protect yourself and and also that confidence is a great part of it and i i think once my kids get a little bit older i really want them to learn kung fu not just because of the cultural aspect but i want them to gain that confidence that you were talking about so that if they ever get into a situation it's different when you approach it when with from a a, a, from a a place of strength from a place of confidence just knowing that you know what you can do and you've put in the work 
to do um just to protect yourself so right i mean there's people who can fake that confidence you know there's like but uh there's a difference between like faking it and like uh there, there's people, there's people who've studied martial arts who also lack confidence. You know, I still lack confidence a lot of times, for sure. But if it's a very specific confrontation where like those skills come into play and you have done the work, like, oh man, like people are gonna sense that, and I sense that now. Like, when I'm around, I know some people if they're around like very you know brawny or muscular guys, maybe they have they feel fearful or intimidated. I. I don't really have that. I maybe I still get a sense of it. I recognize it, but um, I I it's not it's not like an issue for me. You know you know what I'm saying? Like there's some people, some guys having for you already complexes, or whatever. Like for me, not so much when I'm around very physically, uh, you know, built people or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too really worried about uh, like uh, really muscular people because I I used to teach really muscular people and they could not move they couldn't move quick enough for the most right, part yeah. I'm sure I'm sure this is like you know 20 30 years ago so people have changed I mean uh, people are a lot more athletic they're like bigger and stronger and muscular and, and they're fast so I, I know that the whole exercise regimen has changed over time but yeah just like you I, I don't feel too afraid I don't feel too worried um the only thing you have to worry about really is like someone pulling a gun. Right. Kids that, kids can kill ki- kids can kill other k- people with just guns and I mean there is a skill involved like like to shoot like really well like you know it, yeah. of course there's a skill to that like how to shoot well, how to uh handle a weapon, clean a weapon. Those are all skills for sure. But I mean uh it's it's way different than like martial arts where the the amount of work the level of work you have to put in and character building I think is yeah is much higher in martial arts than maybe gun training or something like that yeah yeah there's a shorter shorter learning curve to like getting dangerous with a gun versus with your fists and feet right right um, and then oh going back to like uh, not not to hit. <laughs> Uh, so that guy who picked on me, yeah, he just happened to be black. But like, I, I, I know some, you know, I have, and this is me, this is me uh, defending myself. I like, I met a, I, I know some really nice black people, and like one of my, I met a really very powerful, uh, Bagua martial artist in Tai, artist in Taiwan, um, who happens to be black, and he's married, uh, yeah, he married a Taiwanese woman, and he's living in Taiwan now, and he does Bagua, and man. And his Chinese is way better than mine. And there, I think martial arts, in a sense, like I've met some very interesting people because of martial arts. Like uh, another guy, another martial artist in Taiwan, I met some white guy, uh, white South Amer- half South American guy. He speaks four languages and is a really strong, uh, you know, um, a mixed martial artist, super super strong mixed martial artist. So, if anything, martial art martial arts has opened up a community of people, and I I have found martial artists in general are some pretty freaking interesting people, yourself included. Like, cause they're because they're martial artists. There's that artist. There's that artist side of it. The fact that they have spent hours perfecting a certain art, it seems to bleed to other areas. Like you know, uh, interest in the arts, music, whatever. And I, I've I've noticed that. Now there are some weirdos. There's some marsh. I met this. I met this. Uh, there is this. Um, I, I don't want to talk shit, but like, there are some like weirdos. Uh, of no matter what, because there are. I think there are people who can be good at something, but still be like a freaking weirdo. You know that that's true too. But on average, I I seem to like martial artists. I mean, has that been your experience? Yeah, I think for the most part, um, I haven't met too many martial artists who are like outside of outside of the kung fu school. You know, when you teach um, students, I, not all students become true martial artists. They just you know are there because they're paying or whatever. But yeah, for the most part, I haven't met too many weird ones um, outside of the school, and it's yeah, it, it's it's like what you said. I mean. The people who have done it for 
a long period of time, they they kind of feel more. They're a little bit more humble in lots of ways, because they know that there's always going to be someone better, whether it's their teacher or their you know some other person from a different generation. And yeah, I haven't had too many too many conflicts with other martial artists for the most part. I have met a couple though. I met, I remember I was practicing at a park and doing a, a two person form. And some guy comes up and is like, you know what? That's not like real life. I was, I was like, I know. And yeah, that that's like a whole different conversation. And we can we can totally talk, talk about martial arts at a different time because we can talk about our, our different interests and our different styles that we've we've studied because I think that that could be a whole segment by itself. Yeah, yeah. We could do that in the next one. I guess... I mean, I guess we can wrap up the whole identity thing. Uh, I mean, but yeah, martial arts, I think it's part of my identity. Like, because I never subscribe to a, a church or a religion, really. But like, I'm totally down for meditating. I'm totally down for doing like a standing meditation or like doing a f- moving meditation, like doing a form or something like that. Uh, prayer? Nah, I'm good, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean... I think they're, they've done they've done brainwave studies of people who do meditation and prayer. Very similar activation in certain areas of the brain for sure, and those are very helpful. But you know, uh, yeah, I just I can't I I don't I can't make that leap of faith. You know, I'm a I'm a man of um, I'm a man of science and and yeah, I don't know. That's that's an, that's definitely another segment, but. That is um. definitely another thing. <laughs> I'm pretty much the same way. I, I just, I never found a religion that I was really like, wow, that that speaks to me. I I know I have some friends who are really religious, and that's great for them because they have that faith. But I never, I just don't have that luxury. I never had that. Right. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying. I'm trying to do a horse stance right now while I talk. Let's see. Nah, let's see. Uh, yeah, I can do it. So yeah. Um, I think as far as um, I think what's been what's been pretty interesting as far as Asian American identity recently was that there's been a lot more stuff in the media as far as like representation, like oh, casting Emma Stone in that Aloha movie as a half Asian, or um, casting uh, you know Tilda Swinton as the the ancient one in the was that Doctor Strange. Strange? Yeah. What else is there? There's the Scarlett oh, Johansson. Sh- Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Ghost in the Shell. But the guess what? This shit. I mean, and you're older than me. That shit's been happening for a while. I mean, it's it's interesting how it's become taking more heat now. But this shit's been like Bruce Lee. Come on, he was. That's David Carradine took his spot. You know, like yeah, for Kung Fu. Yeah. Well, you, I don't know if you ever watched this movie, but uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure of Remo Williams. Did you ever watch that movie? No. What's that about? It's it's based on a set of books, but um, there's this guy who um, was basically killed, and they they do some plastic surgery on them and, and give him a new identity, and he's like a secret agent. But they have to. It's like for some secret government organization, like they all are back in the day, and he has to be taught martial arts by someone who is Korean, and you could totally tell that they just put makeup on some white dude. To make him Korean, and it's kind of sad in that way, but I still enjoyed the film, and it came out in the, like the nineteen eighties. Racism. I, I I remember I was driving down from from the Bay Area. I was I was in Morro Bay. I met this Vietnamese lady at this diner, uh, and I was getting like a I was getting a dinner, and she's like, "Oh, you're Asian," and we started talking about, you know, her experience like. Uh, yeah, like growing, like coming to America from you know Vietnam, she she was called chink, gook, stuff like that, and she just laughed it off. And then she told me about how her son is studying in London right now, and uh, and he was saying, oh yeah, he got called that maybe uh, he actually got called that a couple of times. And she's like, and she's like, oh, it's so funny, he got so sensitive about it or something like that. And I was like, well, yeah, why not, you know? Cause I, I didn't tell that to her. I just said like, yeah, that's not really, you know, good. That's not really nice language now, you know. And she just kind of, cause I, I I get it, and cause she's coming from like a warm. She's you know she's a couple of gen, she's a generation above me, so she's she's coming from you know Vietnam, 
the Vietnam War and stuff like that. So their concept, their frame of reference is totally different um, compared to our frame of reference of what's racist or not racist, right? So um, I think now we're becoming more attuned to what it, what it means to be racist or what we're, you know, I think we're better at where we want to draw the line, I think, and not, you know, I don't know. What do you think about that? It is true. We're, we're much more conscious about stereotypes and labels that we use. And a lot of people are rebelling against that because they grew up in a time when it, it didn't really matter what you said. And even my friends, I have friends on Facebook who grew up in the same period that I did. They're, they're rebelling against it. And I think some of those people are the same people who are voting for Trump. It's just the way it is. Right, or like, that was hurt, you know, just like, instead of like, you know, oh, that was hurtful, or that wasn't really based on facts, or something like that, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, let's let's call this to a close somehow. Our first podcast, I thought it was, yes, very good. Um, we gotta figure out what to call this, um, and then we'll have to figure out logistics later, how to edit and put it up, and all that stuff, but... I don't know. I, I'm 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 pretty happy with it. What do you think? I'm pretty happy as well. I learned something new about you, and hopefully you all learned something new about me, Dan, and audience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a, you know what I worry about is like personal details. Like man, I can because someone could essentially listen to our podcast, and you know like you know steal our identities. Like oh yeah, James, he struggled with identity. <laughs> like yeah, hope you know. Whatever. If if I yeah, that's my paranoia. But I think it. I do think it is important to be like somewhat transparent of who we are. I guess because I think maybe people connect to that. Hopefully, yeah. All right. Cool. All right. I'll see you uh, till next time. We'll we'll plan it out. Yeah. We'll plan it out much better. See ya. Good night.